Well, hope you don't mind that I lost the coat because this humidity is, feels warmer than even when it was 10 degrees warmer outside earlier this summer. Um, and I gotta say, I, re I really appreciated that last song, Chris, that, that especially that refrain of Be Still My Soul. There's, uh, there's times in life when we, all we can do is, is speak to our own heart and tell our heart, be still. Because um, our heart is in turmoil and we just have to tell it based on God's word and his promise. Be still. <laughs> so, um, so last week we started a new series called Preparing the Next Generation. And we're looking at 1 Chronicles chapters 28 and 29. And uh, in these chapters, King David hands over the leadership of the nation to King Solomon. And he also calls upon all the people of the nation to follow God. And he reminded them, last week we looked at, he reminded them that it is God that establishes each generation. And then we face the same choice that Solomon faced. Will you follow God or forsake him? And like Solomon, we, we have a godly heritage, or we have the same choices. And so today we're continuing this idea, preparing the next generation, but we're looking at equipping the next generation to be strong and to do it. And you'll hear that phrase several times in these verses today. Be strong, be courageous, and do it. And I kind of, I think there's similarities from this with sports. Because, you know, in a sport, to, to play well, the players have to have faith in their coach and in their team. They have to believe they can win. Um, but they also need a wise game plan. They need a, they need a plan for winning that's, be, that's based on wisdom. But even with, a, with trust and with a wise plan, the players still have to get out on the field and go do it. They have to make the play. And likewise, the next generation, they need to be equipped with faith and wisdom and courage. And that's what we're going to find in these verses today. So let's read before we hear today's verses. Or let's pray here before we hear today's verses. Dear God, thank you for your word. Thank you that uh, you have spoken by your prophets to your people throughout history into their time and place, and when we knew you were the living God the, who has been with people throughout history through many changes and turmoils and challenges and um, guiding and loving your people and calling them to yourself and providing salvation and deliverance. And we pray that we take these words to heart, words spoken to David and his generation, but also timeless and with, time, with truth for every generation. Pray that we receive them, receive wisdom and truth from you. You would build up our faith by your word and build up our, our courage and our boldness to live for you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So 1 Chronicles 28, verses 9 through 21. And David says to his son, And you, Solomon, my son, Know the God of your father, and serve him with a whole heart and with a willing mind, for the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Be careful now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. 
Then David gave Solomon, his son, the plan of the vestibule of the temple and of its houses, its treasuries, its upper rooms, and its inner chambers, and of the room for the mercy seat, and the plan of all that he had in mind for the courts of the house of the Lord, all the surrounding chambers, the treasuries of the house of God, and the treasuries for dedicated gifts, for the divisions of the priests and of the Levites, and all the work of the service in the house of the Lord, for all the vessels for the service in the house of the Lord, the weight of gold for all golden vessels for each service, the weight of silver vessels for each service, the weight of the golden lampstands and their lamps, the weight of gold for each lampstand and its lamps, the weight of silver, silver for a lampstand and its lamps, according to the use of each lampstand in its service, the weight of gold for each table for the showbread, the silver for the silver tables, and pure gold for the forks, the basins, and the cups, for the golden bowls and the weight of each, for the silver bowls and the weight of each, for the altar of incense made of refined gold and its weight. Also his plan for the golden chariot of the cherubim that spread their wings and covered the ark of the covenant of the Lord. All this he made clear to me in writing from the hand of the Lord, all the work to be done according to the plan. Then David said to Solomon, his son, be strong and courageous and do it. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. For the Lord God, even my God, is with you. He will not leave you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the house of the Lord is finished. And behold, the divisions of the priests and the Levites for all the service of the house of God and with you in all the work will be every willing man who has skill for any kind of service. Also the officers and all the people will be holy at your command. And so you see in those verses there, David, he has an exhortation for Solomon. He has a very thorough plan and he has another exhortation at the end. And in his first exhortation, I really want to focus on the idea of faith and that it's God who equips you with faith. Uh, David began by exhorting Solomon to know God, and this knowing was not academic. It was firsthand, experiential, relational, knowing God. And we see this because it involved a whole heart and a willing mind. So he was to submit his desires, his thoughts, his plans to God. And he says also, know God because God searches the hearts. He understands the plans and the thoughts. God searches, he sees, and he rewards. God promises to reward those who seek him. Those who seek him will find him. And faith hears God's promise and it responds by seeking him and by serving him. So faith is, is built upon God's promise. God speaks first, and we respond in faith. And God wants this to be true of each generation and of every person. He also warns that those who forsake him will be cast off. And to forsake God means to reject him as God, to not look at him for your help or your deliverance, to re reject his 
teaching or direct to re reject what he has revealed to be right and wrong. And to go back to the, uh, to use the sports metaphor, it would be like a player rejecting his coach and saying, I'm not going to do what the coach says. I'm not going to do his plan. I'm going to take over the team so I can cheat the system. All, and all along, the whole time, he's going to wear a different jersey, not just from a different team, but from a different sport. He's just going to throw it all out there. And we know that you know, any sport, if a player did that, he would not be on that team anymore. He would be kicked off that team, right? And God, this is what God is saying. If you forsake him, he will cast you out. But also, just like in sports, the player who, who is attentive to their coach, who listens to their coach and learns from them, actively seeking to learn, those ones will have the coach's friendship and wisdom and support. And then finally, David concludes this exhortation by reminding Solomon that God chose him for this work. And therefore, Solomon should be careful, but he should be strong and courageous too. He should be careful because this is the temple of the Lord he has been asked to build. So he should have a healthy respect and reverence for this task. But he can also, he can be strong and courageous and do it because God chose him to do it. And if God chose him, then he must be the right man for the job. And God will be with him to see it completed. And these lessons also apply to us. Because the same invitation is given to you and to every generation. And we see this invitation given through Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ, God invites you, know God. And we see this in John 14, 6 through 7. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And from the letter to 1 John 4, 13 through 15. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. God sent his Son into the world so that we might know God more fully. And so that he might save us through him. And invite you to seek him with all your heart and all your mind. Did this just cut out? Oh, I got the red. Feel sorry, I'm maybe just grab a handheld here. Probably my fault for grabbing the mic and putting it on before the gift of Okay, so, you, can you hear me good? Yep. All right. So we were saying, God sent his son Jesus so that you can know him and so that he might save you through him. And he invites you to seek him and serve him with all your heart. And we see this in Matthew six thirty three. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And the letter to the Colossians, chapter 3. 
If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And, and one way we seek God is in prayer. And in prayer, we, when, we, when you seek God in prayer, you're not simply praying for God to help you with your pursuits. You are asking God to teach you how to pray. So in prayer, we ask God, God, teach me how to pray. How do you want me to pray for this? What is your will for this issue, this, this thing? And we also, in prayer, we pray for his glory. Lord, may this, whatever you're praying for, may this glorify you. May others see your goodness through this. And a while ago, I, I kind of stumbled upon a new prayer phrase that I like to include in my prayers now. And, and the phrase is this. It goes, God, show yourself greater than this problem. And so in this short phrase, I'm, I'm admitting my need for help <laughs> and relief. Um, but I'm, also, I'm submitting the problem to him. He gets to choose how to deal with it because he's God, <laughs> and I'm giving the solution to him. And it's also for his glory. And, and I think this prayer is modeled for us in the Bible by Moses because when you see Moses praying, when he would pray for deliverance in the wilderness wanderings, he would pray that God would deliver them so that no one could say that the problem was greater than God. That's how Moses would approach God in those crises. He would say, God, I know we're not worthy of it. We've, we've all messed up, and you really should just, you'd be totally justified to just abandon us. But what will all the other people say if you abandon us? They'll say it's because the problem was too big for you, and I don't want you to lose glory. That's how Moses would come to God. This, so God, show yourself greater than this problem. So in, in prayer, our hearts are turned to God. God, there's a... Something's happening in prayer. God's spirit can turn our hearts to him as we seek him in prayer. And in prayer, he welcomes our motives and our plans. We actually bring in him the concrete designs of our plans. He invites us to bring the very practical elements of our plans to him. And we find this in, in James chapter 4, verses 13 through 15. He says, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town, spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or do that. So we see in this verse that God invites you to bring to him the, the very practical parts of your plans, your designs, your actions, and bring them before him and seek his will. And we think now back to Solomon. Solomon had a very practical challenge. How to complete this enormous, never-done-before building project. I mean, for, for him and that nation, the, the how-to of, of architecture, of how to put this up, probably didn't exist before, <laughs> at least not in their circle of the world. So, I mean, all, so much of it was practical new engineering. 
And so all the problems, all the obstacles for him were practical ones. And God invited Solomon to bring to him his plans, bring him those obstacles. And he invites you to bring him your plans and challenges too. Because like Solomon, God has chosen you for special work. We find this in Ephesians 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we see from this verse, God has unique works that he has prepared for you to do, works that only you can do because only you are alive at this particular time and place with your abilities and your heart. And to be equipped for those works, you need faith in God, confidence in God, faith that comes from a living relationship with him. So we start with God equips you with faith, faith that rests in him, that you can trust him with your heart and your plans and your designs, but also faith that he's chosen you, that he is with you. And you also need to be equipped with wise plans. God equips you with wisdom. And he equips the next generation, every generation, with wisdom. And now when I read uh, David's summary of his plan um, for the temple, I, I confess, and I'm sure many of you felt, maybe felt the same, that I got, I got a little lost, maybe a little bored, <laughs> and was wondering, God, well, God, what is the point of all these details? Like, why do all these lists matter? It just goes on and on. And now, it was very significant to Solomon. I mean, part of it, it's just detailed because it's history. Like, no, this is the plan that he passed down to Solomon. They're recording it. So to Solomon, oh boy, this detailed plan mattered a lot, the thoroughness of it. But also it mattered to all those who came after. It was very significant, significant to those people of that time. But the significance of each room and each list is not our focus today. We are focused on, on the big lesson to be learned from this. And, the, and the, the big point is that David passed down a thorough plan to Solomon. And when we look at, at verse 19, it says God, it's clear that God chose the design. That, that's what verse 19 means. The plan was made clear by the hand of the Lord and put in writing by David. So King David's de design for the temple was, was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And he put that design in writing for Solomon to complete. David gave a thorough plan to Solomon. And this plan gave the current status, it gave a, a clear vision, and it gave detailed plans for each part. So David gave Solomon a thorough plan, but Solomon would be the one to execute it and make it his own. And now none of us are kings, none of us are, are, are called to build a giant temple, although some of our youth, who, who knows, some of you might be called to become architects and build stadiums and colossal things. That'd be very cool. Um, but the point here, you know, is, is that for those of us who are preparing the next generation, we can pass down a plan, a thorough plan to help them face their challenges. And, and some of this plan is going to be um, 
universal, God's plan for all men and women who follow Christ. And some of it's going to be specific and personal and unique to you, uh, unique to the gifts and vocation of each person. And so part of my calling as your pastor is to make sure you are, are grounded in that universal calling, universal plan for all Christians, but then also to help you discover and, and find your unique and personal calling, how, what part you fit into that. And so the universal calling of every, every Christian comes from the Great Commission in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so the, the vision, the universal vision, plan for the followers of Christ is to make disciples of all nations. And the, but there is a cool connection I found here because in many ways this is a continuation of the same mission that Solomon had. Because Solomon's temple was where God and his people would be together. And then the presence of God would, would dwell in the, in the holiest part of the temple, in the holy of holies. He would literally be with his people. But when Jesus came, the temple was not the building. It became the people of God, where God's spirit lives by faith. We see this in John 14, 23. Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. And 1 Corinthians 3, 16. Do you not know that you are God's temple, and that God's spirit dwells in you. And so the mission hasn't changed, it's just gotten clearer. It was always about God and his people being together. But instead of building a, a holy temple where God could be, Jesus Christ makes a holy people. A holy people cleansed from sin by his blood, a congregation, a community of believers where God dwells within them. And now I'm, I am not going to try to lay out the whole vision of discipleship here in one day for you, but I want to start with the, just the simple vision that Matthew 28 lays out for us. Um, it, and it starts with becoming a disciple of Jesus. And, and this happens when you hear God's word that your sins are forgiven for Jesus' sake, and you trust that from your heart, and God's word converts your heart so that you believe this, and your heart is transformed, and, and you are joined to Jesus in baptism, and you receive the forgiveness of your sins, and his Holy Spirit comes and lives in you. And then he says, instructing them, teaching them everything I instructed you. And so there, there is instruction. We are to learn everything that Jesus instructed his apostles. And we're not just, a, again, this is not academic knowledge. This is we're to learn it too so we can live by it. And this isn't done in a day, a month, or a year. This is a lifelong journey of, of learning God's word, learning his ways, how to live by them, learning and growing in wisdom and maturity. And we face very complex issues today, challenging 
complex issues. And to apply God's word to them, we need to think deeply about them. And we have to learn from those who have thought deeply about these before us and those who are doing this right now. And, and this is why I, I like to read Christian resources and listen to them. I listen to the Breakpoint podcast. I read things from World News Group and Colson Center and many others uh, because I can't go through every one of these complex issues on my own, starting from ground zero. You know, I don't, I'm not gifted with all wisdom. I need the collective wisdom of all God's people as we examine and, and tackle today's current issues and apply God's word to them. And we need to pass down these resources to the next generation so that they're equipped and so that they also can, can join in that process of, of tackling these issues and applying God's wisdom to them. And what, what I really appreciate about this congregation is that you care deeply about equipping the youth and the young adults and the next generation with resources for apologetics and for worldview and all these things so that they can think critically for themselves. And we want to give them instruction that, you know, that lasts more than two weeks, but resources that they can actually take with them and use throughout their life. But most important of all is that they learn to trust God's word for themselves. Because that's, each of us has to come to that trust for ourselves. But we can also, as we said, we're talking about the plan. It's good. We knew we passed on resources. That's, we talked about the universal, but we can also give them, help them grow in the specific plan for them. We can show them how to serve God in whatever vocation they're called to in life. And then this is where the universal becomes specific, and this is where parents and ma mentors matter so much. Because as it, teachers and pastors, we, we can give lots of instruction, but the most valuable instruction is the example of parents in the home. Living this out in your home, and in your neighborhood, and in your job. And as your family sees you doing that, they will start to do it too. But you can also help them by starting their plan. Make a clear vision that, that's a plan that's specific for them to how they can walk and live with Christ. Help them think through what it means to be a Christian in whatever vocation they're pursuing. And help them to live out Colossians 3.17. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And finally, God equips you with courage. This is where we get into the be strong and do it. So we can introduce the next, next generation to God. We can, we can give that call, know God. And we can pass down a wise plan. But they have to do it. Young men and young women, you, you have to live the Christian life for yourself. We can't do it for you. King David knew he couldn't be, he wouldn't be there for Solomon to help him build the temple. Solomon would have to find his own strength and courage to see it done. And we think back using the sports metaphor again. During practices, yes, the coach, he can come alongside, he can instruct, he can demonstrate, he can encourage, he can come right alongside him and do that. But during the game, the player has to go out on the field and be strong and do it and make the play on their own. 
And so we do this in several ways. Uh, we do this by demonstrating that we trust them to do it. We believe that they have the strength and the courage. And David did this by reminding Solomon that he was chosen for this. If God chose him, then he must be the right man for the job. And, and yes, this is an affirmation of Solomon, absolutely. But ultimately, he is not trusting in himself. He is trusting in God. And the affirmation of God is far more powerful than self-affirmation. And uh, to kind of demonstrate this idea, um, you know, I'll, I'll talk about one of my own relationships here. Because almost every day, I can't believe that I am so blessed to be married to my wife, Rachel. I know, how did, I, I often think, how did such a fool like me get to be married to such a wonderful lady? I just, it doesn't make sense to, <laughs> to me a lot of days. But then I'm forced to ask myself the question, well, do I think she has bad judgment? <laughs> do, do, do I think that she, do I really think she would settle for less? Well, okay, no, I don't believe that of her. Well, if I don't believe that of her, if I believe she has good judgment and won't settle for less, then I have to accept that, well, maybe I'm a better man than I realize. Now, her, her belief in me does not give me value. I don't want to confuse that there. I don't have value because she loves me, but her recognition of that should cause me to recognize it too. And likewise, even, I shouldn't say likewise, even higher, more true, <laughs> when you realize that God chose you, that God treasures you, that you are precious to him, your value is affirmed. Because what are you, you going to say? Otherwise, you're forced to say God must be a moron for loving you. Or God, you know, if God must be an idiot if he, loved, if he chose me. Right? But you can't, we, we can't say that. God is not a moron or an idiot. <laughs> Now, he, he, it is pure grace that he chooses us and loves us, but that doesn't diminish the value in us evidenced by his choosing and loving us. And so if God chose you and has significant work for you to do, then you can be assured that you are the right person for this time and place. And even if you don't fill up to the task today, you can be sure that with his strength and wisdom, you will grow into it. You can step out and be strong and do it, even if you're stumbling along the way, <laughs> because you know with him you will grow into it. And when you feel fear and dismay, look back at God's promises. Because just like he promised Solomon, God promises you that he will never leave you nor forsake you. We look back at Jesus' words in Matthew 28, verse 18 and verse 20. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. God promises that if you seek him in prayer, he will answer you. He will, and you will find him. And if you seek his word, then you will grow in wisdom and strength. If you submit your plans to him, then he will guide them. And in the hour of trouble and trial, he will be with you and give you the words to say. He will show himself greater than your troubles. And he is with you. He is with you in, a very, in that very near intimate sense that his Holy Spirit lives in your heart. You are his temple. But he's also with you in Holy Scripture. And he is with you in the sense that all authority is his. 
He rules over all things. He's working all things together for your good. He is providing for you. So you can trust that you are meant to be where you are, even if it feels troubling and confusing in the moment. And you are not alone. David reminded Solomon that all the people of Israel were with him for this task. The priests, the skilled laborers, the administrators. And likewise, Jesus Christ promises, you are not alone. We are meant to be together as a congregation, a body of believers. You need the congregation, and the congregation needs you. You have a gift, a unique gift that others here need to grow for their growth in Christ. And together we can grow in faith and wisdom and courage. We invite others to know God through their Savior, Jesus Christ. We grow in wisdom as we seek the Lord in prayer, study his word, and learn from those who have gone before. And we help each other find what God has for us to do. And we plan for it with wisdom. And then we encourage each other to be strong and do it. Step out and do it, knowing that God has chosen you for this time and place, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. God is with you. Be strong and do it. Amen. Please pray with me. God, we thank you that you have loved us and called us to be your children and saved us by your son, Jesus Christ, that you cleanse us from all sin so that we can follow you and be your children and be free from guilt and the burden of sin and, and we can follow you out of love and praise and adoration and we can grow in, in faith and wisdom and courage and we pray that you would strengthen our faith in you and your love for us and that you would help us to grow in wisdom wisdom for how to live in this day and age in the lives you've in the places you've put us to understand that the challenges we face and help us to grow in courage and boldness so we can step out and do what you've called us to do as your church. Pray this all in your name and for your glory. Amen.